that seems to sum up Jesus, his words, his actions, who he is, all that he did, is the word life. Life sums up Jesus like nothing else. I was in my morning prayer time sitting in our living room the other day, and as I was sitting in there, I was looking around at the walls, and my eyes just started to be drawn to all the work that I needed to do. (laughs) Cracks that needed to be filled, stuff that needed to be fixed. And the more I looked, the more it seemed like I just began to notice that everything around us is dead that we build. The beautiful oak floors in my house used to be alive, they're dead. The materials that we built our house with, not only is everything that we build, that man builds, dead, but it's also deteriorating. And then I just begin to let my mind go and I begin to think about the world and then naturally I begin to think about the universe and nature and I realized that the only one that has ever made anything that lives is God, is Jesus. That no, that man has never produced a living thing. In fact, in our reproductive process, we are simply utilizing the life that he breathed into Adam and has been passed on to every generation since then. So really, God is the only one that creates things that live. Everything else is dead and inanimate, or even the things that are alive since sin came into the world, they all deteriorate down to a a state of static, a state of death. And as I was thinking about this, it just made me appreciate as I realized, wow, Jesus came to give you and I life. I mean, if you really want to put your finger on what it is that defines Jesus And why it is he came, that word life is is it. Because it is the one thing you can't get anywhere else, no matter how hard you try. I thought about the disciples towards the end of Jesus' ministry, those last few days before he was arrested and he was in Jerusalem. And the disciples, I'm sure, were trying to make a point, trying to uh, be, you know, impressive and let the Lord know that they're thinking about God and, and uh, religious and spiritual things. And so they, they point to the temple. They're obviously sitting in Jerusalem. The temple's within sight. They point to the temple. They said, Lord, behold what magnificent architecture in this great temple. And I thought, that's, all, that's us. That's man. I mean, e- even as Christians, we tend to look at things in our life, accomplishments, accumulating things, acquisitions, maybe something you've dreamed you always wanted, you worked real hard and you've got it and it brings you so much joy and fulfillment, but it is dead, it's not alive. You did not bring life to anything. And everything we have, no matter how much we enjoy it, eventually is just going to turn to dust and return to the dust of the ground. And I realized that the Lord takes pleasure, not in inanimate things, but He takes pleasure in life. Because when they pointed out the temple to Jesus, 
Jesus had a remarkable response. As he looked at the temple, he didn't even comment about the magnificent architecture and the stones and all that. He said, tear that temple down and in three days, I'll raise it up. And of course, that was, that was I think, the final comment that got him arrested was making that statement because they said, well, he's, he's speaking against the temple. And um, it, it's amazing how we a attach beliefs that should lead us to life to things that have no life or are temporary. And we tend to, we tend to measure and define our own progress in life by accomplishing things or accumulating things that, well, as Jesus said, with the, they're going to pass away with the using. You, everything you use, you will eventually use up. And uh, even things you pass on to your children will eventually. The Bible says even things precious like silver and gold will eventually be cankered and eaten. And um, So I thought about what sin had done to us and how we too die just like everything. And in fact, the Bible says that before we were born again, we were all dead in our sins and transgressions. The only reason why people die is because they're dead inside. Having animation is not having life. This thing called life with a capital L that Jesus Christ came to bring us is something entirely different than what we classify as life. It is, and I want you to think today with me about how it's different and what it is, the life that we have in Jesus. We are so tempted to think of the life that Jesus gave us in terms of existence, in terms of how it affects our existence, our jobs, our family. There's nothing wrong with that because when we think about that, we're actually thinking about the residual effect of blessing. In other words, how we are blessed and affected. But that in and of itself is not the life. In fact, you can lose the blessing if you lose sight of the life. If you don't remember what the life really is and cherish it and commune and fellowship and have relationship with that life, then all those things that you think are the life, which are just the results or the blessings of that life, will eventually begin to go from your existence. We even call our existence our life. But my life is not my existence. It's something much more powerful. It's something more precious. My existence can be altered. It can be altered in negative ways. It can be reduced. It can be uh, defeated by natural circumstances. But the life that is in me cannot be reduced. It cannot be defeated. It is the life that killed death. It is the life that killed death. So the thing about Jesus above everything else is, is life. Um, I've got two verses if you're taking notes. If not, I can send you my notes in a text or an email. But John 5, 26, Jesus said, For just as the Father has life in himself, thus he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And then he went a step farther in the 17th chapter of John in verse 2 when Jesus said, You have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. 
You have given him authority over all flesh. Authority to do what? Authority to give eternal life. Why did Jesus not break the back of Roman oppression politically when he came? Why did he not address the social concerns of his day? Concerns that I'm sure the Father had an opinion about. Because his authority was limited to one thing. Though all authority and power is his, the authority was defined in a mission. Jesus' authority was limited by his mission. He came into the world to give eternal life. Now, you may be looking for Jesus to do a variety of things in your existence, but he is authorized to do one thing, and he does it very well. In fact, no one else can do what he does. No one else has what he has, and that is to install this thing called life in you. And sometimes the first thing he has to do is convince you that what you think is living isn't life. The first thing he has to do is make you realize that just because you haven't fallen over into a grave yet doesn't mean you're alive. Real life is something different. In John chapter 1, verse 4, it says, His life is the light of men. In John chapter 6, verse 33, it says, He gives life to the world. In chapter 6, a little later on in verse 35, it says, He is the bread of life. At the end of chapter 6 and verse 40, it says, Whoever receives Him receives everlasting life. In John 10, 10, His life is more abundant. In John 12, 50, His commandments are everlasting life. In Acts 3, 15, He is the Prince of life. In 2 Timothy 1, 10, He abolished death, and brought life and immortality to light. And finally, in Philippians 4.3, his followers' names are entered into the book of life. Everything about Jesus is about life. And let me say to you today that Jesus rose from the dead because there's no death in him. He could not stay in the grave because he is alive. And there is no death in him. And because there's no death in him, there's no shortage in him. And because there's no death in him, there's no limit to him. And because there's no death in him, there is no expiration on him. Hallelujah. He doesn't wear out. His promises never wear out. Everything about Jesus is alive with a life that cannot die. His love cannot die because it's full and it's an expression of His life. His grace cannot die because it's full of His life. His power cannot die. The life in Jesus killed death. Death has nothing to throw at grace, love, power, mercy because they are all alive. Whatever Jesus came out of that grave being, he installed it in you. After he demonstrated its triumph over death. 
all of these things about Jesus, they came up out of the grave incapable of dying. That's what I'm trying to say. Hallelujah. If you stay with life, then death has nothing on you. In fact, Jesus test drove his life through the cross and the grave. And after that life raised him from the dead, he handed it over to you and I saying, and because I live, you shall live also. Somebody say praise the Lord. That was a good opportunity to shout glory to God. Hallelujah. Jesus demonstrated to you and I that everything that binds us, everything limiting us with dysfunction, everything that knocks us down, Jesus overcame it because he outran it. Death fell down and died, but Jesus got up and kept going. He ran right through death, ran right through the grave, and he came out. He outran death, and life eternal is where all the blessings of God are. And Jesus said, here, I've tested this. It's yours. And he installed it in you and I. That's what being born again is. Somebody say, praise the Lord. It's because he lives. I live also. So the next time the devil challenges you and you respond by saying, well, because, because of what Jesus has done, just remember what it is you're saying. Because he lives, you live also. Jesus came into this world as the life giver. The thing that was amazing me when I was having that little moment in my prayer time looking around the living room and then thinking about the world and the universe was that I realized that uh, because of the curse of sin everything in the world was deteriorating but Jesus is the resurrection and not only is he raising you and I up and raising the people from the earth one day he's going to renovate the whole world every effect that the curse over these 6,000 years has had upon the world is going to be simply rescinded and he's going to make all things new Life wins on every level. Romans 5.17 says, If through the transgression of the one man, Adam, death has reigned, how much more those of you who receive the abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness, shall reign in life through Jesus Christ. See, Christian is somebody who's not just living and believing in Jesus, but someone who's reigning in life. God has installed in you the wherewithal to reign in life. You know who reigns? Kings reign. Let me tell you the difference between a king and a republic. We are about to have an election in a few weeks. We're going to elect not a king, but a president. And the difference between a president and a king is a president presides according to his a script called, in our case, a constitution. But a king, he owns the kingdom. A king owns everything. Everyone under the king lives off of the king at the favor of the king, and everything he has from his land to his family and everything belong to the king. And the king, if he's benevolent and loving, he just gives. He distributes his wealth, distributes the freedom. But the king owns the kingdom. That's why it's called a king Dumb. Hallelujah. So, the Bible says we reign in life. Kings reign in life. 
Now, the devil may like to act as though he has a vote, a say-so. He may bring people into your life and make it look like they have a say-so. He may bring circumstances around you that seem like they have a say-so. But the Bible says that if you will fellowship and have a relationship with the life of Jesus, you can live on a different plane. You can access a different source of authority. An authority that's already defeated the death that's in all those other things. It is the realm from which miracles occur. It is, you know, we need to stop thinking, what kind of environment do we create so that miracles happen? It is not, miracles are not created by the proper mixing of ingredients. They are created by fellowshipping in the right realm. And when we fellowship with Jesus, when you make Jesus your life, when you get up every day and you unite your thoughts, you know, that's why Jesus said, love the Lord with your thoughts, with your heart, with everything within you. Put your, the arms of your mind, put the arms of your heart, put the arms of your mouth around Jesus and embrace life. Embrace life. And all of those things that are nipping at your heels and telling you, I've got you. Cancer says, I've got you. Strife between husband and wife, I've got you. Disappointment, failure, falling short in your objectives, I've got you. Finances, needs, troubles, things breaking down, whatever it might be, I've got you. Competition from other people, I've got you. Working deep into the world where there's no believers, you feel like you're in a spiritual jungle, and that jungle closes in around you. You think, this is no place for a Christian. My goodness, I'm out here in the world in the devil's territory. Good, that's exactly where the light needs to be. God says, I've got you. I've got you. Embrace the life. You will bring that miracle, life-transforming authority through into your circumstances. You are called to reign in life. Can I say it to you like this? Whatever Jesus took to Calvary's cross, whatever sin, whatever thing, whatever he took to the cross, there is a life in you with which you can reign over it. Think about it. Everything Jesus took to the cross, he put a life in you that can reign over those things. Whether sin, dysfunction, hopelessness, guilt. What, what is it that we do when we feel like, well, you know, the circumstances that I'm struggling with are things I'm doing to myself. Guilt, fear, doubt. You know, we can't blame other people. We bring those things on ourselves. They come as a result of our thinking and our feeling. Well, those are all things he put on Jesus at the cross. Jesus went to the cross in your name so that he could send you into life in his name. And so, whether it's dysfunction, hopelessness, guilt, fear, whatever it is, you can reign over it, not by trying, not by looking at Jesus and trying to be a better person, but embracing him, loving him, receiving him. He has installed a life in you. And that's the miracle of fellowship. When we pray, when we worship, when we commune with the Lord, when we are in the middle of going through our day 
And a challenge arises, and at that very moment, there's a conviction that rises up and says, turn this over to the Lord. And at that very moment, within your mind, a thought opens like the pivoting of a door, and your will just says yes. Just in your heart, you incline towards Jesus. That is at that very moment, you have decided, you have pivoted towards Jesus, you are in communion and fellowship with Him, life will come forth. One of my favorite verses, Philippians 2.13, says it's God who is at work in you to will and to do His good pleasure. Work with Him, and you're working with life. Amen. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Why does joy keep showing up? Because it can't die. Joy is the... Life that killed death. Weeping has to end when morning comes. Weeping cannot endure. It can only endure for a night. Let me say that to you again. I'm going to try English this time. Weeping can only last through the night. If you have Jesus in you, joy's coming. You may think joy left you. Joy's coming back. You may think trials have driven joy away. You may think you yourself have fallen into a, an Eeyore state of mind. But I am here today to tell you that if the life of Jesus is in you, joy is coming. Because you can't get rid of joy. Joy outran heaviness. He gave a garment of joy for the spirit of heaviness. The oil of joy for mourning. Hallelujah. Gladness. Thou hast turned my mourning into dancing. Joy keeps coming back because it's the life that killed death. Somebody say praise the Lord. There's no expiration in the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. It may endure that weeping, but joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Galatians 5, excuse me, Galatians 2.20. We all know it. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Listen carefully. For the life which I now live. In the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christian, can I tell you this morning that the life you now live is not the one you were born with. It's not the one you came into the world with. That old life was infected with dysfunction and guilt because of sin. But the life you now live is the one Jesus test drove through Calvary into the grave, out of the grave, and then handed it to you on His way up. Hallelujah to the right hand of the Father and said, Here, because I live, you shall live also. Hallelujah. And the life I now live I now live the life that killed death. It's in me. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. amen. You see, you're not a Christian because of what you believe. You're a Christian because you're alive. Anybody who thinks they're a Christian because they think differently is still dead. You are a Christian because you are alive. When heaven looks upon the earth and looks upon mankind, 
Everybody is of one kind or the other. There were only wheat and tares, nothing else. You're either dead or you're alive. There's only two places where humans are going to end up. Heaven, the place where living people go. Hell, the place where dead people go. If you leave this life dead, you cannot enter heaven. Because the Bible says God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. The God of the living. All of this argument among unsaved people about the social application of the gospel is a waste of time. Jesus didn't come to try to establish a new state morality. Jesus came authorized to offer life. And you are either going to refuse Him and stay dead, or you're going to receive Him and receive life. And you say, why should I do that? Because you're dead and you're about to fall over. If you fall over dead, you don't get back up. But Jesus said, you leave this world believing in me, you shall rise again. Hallelujah. Because you can't keep the life that killed death down. Somebody say, praise the Lord. You see, the life you now live overcame the world. Because it is alive, it overcame death. You're an overcomer because you have what I would call life over circumstances. You're not an overcomer because your will is stronger than someone else. If, if I were to pick two people out of this congregation, we were trying to determine who's more of an overcomer. Who has uh, less trouble overcoming sins and temptations than the other person. I guarantee you that overcoming does not have to do with how determined or how dedicated or how focused you are. Those things are important, to be honest. You're not going to be an overcomer if you ignore life. It takes discipline to focus your mind on the life of God and to pursue and follow Jesus. In fact, you say, well, how much discipline? Well, it takes the discipline of picking up your cross every day, denying yourself and following Him. In other words, it takes everything that you have. It takes all that you have. But you know what? Life is going to take all you have. So you might as well invest it in Jesus rather than let, let the world take it. The world's going to take all that you have and leave you empty and rolled up one day. So you might as well take everything and follow Jesus with it. And live and become a winner rather than become a loser at life. And so let me say that life over circumstances is the way God makes overcomers. God has installed in you the answer to all of your circumstances. What are you dealing with today? Some of you may be dealing with economic problems right now. They're really serious and they're impacting your life and they may be the big thing looming. Others may be uh, dealing with just disappointment in yourself personally. Might be other issues that you're facing. Life may be good, but you've got some other little trial going on. I want you to think for a moment that your circumstances, the word circumstance comes from circumference, what surrounds you. The word circum means to surround. And so your circumstances are the way things stand around you. Circumstances. And so God has installed in you the answer to your circumstances. As a Christian, to go through life and to try to overcome your circumstances by getting other circumstances to fight with those circumstances 
or to use these circumstances to change those circumstances, you're only rearranging the world and the world never loses until Jesus flips the switch and turns it off and replaces it with life. You're not going to beat the world trying to be of the world. Are you listening to me? So let me say to you that God has a totally different way of overcoming circumstances. And the way is He has put resurrected life in you. You overcome your circumstances with the life that is in you, not with how you can change those circumstances around you. So what does that mean? That sounds theological. It doesn't sound like something you could actually go out and do tomorrow morning, but it is. The way you do this tomorrow morning is you get up and you go out and you go to work or whatever it is you're going to do tomorrow. You're going to be faced with, let me just throw a hypothetical out and not prophesying, I'm just illustrating. You go out tomorrow morning and uh, you go to work and run right into some bad news. And maybe you've got a, an employee or two that has the boss's ear and uh, they've been sowing some discord about you and they've been undermining you. And maybe they have dis noticed something that's a flaw or a fault or just a lack of perfection in you. And they're exploiting it, just like the devil accusing. And they've been saying things to the boss. And there's other people that want to advance in the company. And um, so all of a sudden you find yourself maybe either having to take a demotion or you have to quit. And uh, you're given that choice. Now, those are your circumstances. Now, you could get your hands in there and, uh, and start trying to deal with that. You know, go find the people that said this and did that and, and go work. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't deal with circumstances. But Christians always end up defeated when they try to take circumstances on on a worldly level. Because you're not designed to win that way. You're designed to be defeated that way. And the devil will make sure that the sinners win and you lose. A note to Christians. If you do not be what you have become, you will lose. Sinners are going to beat you. You're not going to win. You're going to be the loser. So if you don't depend on life to advance you, if you don't go within and you go into the little coffee break room or out into the parking lot during the break and get in your car and pray, and you say, Lord, I cast this burden on you. I seek your face. Look to the life within you. And when you begin to take that problem to the life that is within you, guess what? Joy shows up. Now your mind is saying, you need to be flipping out. You need to go curse somebody out. You need to get on the phone and be stern with somebody. And uh, those are all those reactions. But instead, you go and get with God. And you begin to fellowship with Him. And He says, what you need is some joy. What you need is some rejoicing because the life that defeated death, that killed death, is in you. It's not in those circumstances. So you overcome through the power that's in you, not through little magical arrangements that God's going to make on your behalf out there. Now, once you have let that life rise up, you're now walking in kingly authority. You worship the king. Do you understand? That's how you overcome in life, by lifting up Jesus, not lifting up yourself. 
You're not anointed to lift up yourself. You're anointed to lift up Jesus. Lord, I glorify you. They're in there saying these things. Lord, glorify your name. I submit myself to you. Lord, you, you just show me how to glorify you. I praise you. I thank you. Joy is rising. See, you are owned by God in a kingdom that he has given to his son. Jesus is king. The way you win is you've got to act like a member of the kingdom rather than a citizen of the world. If you act like a citizen of the world, the world's going to beat your butt. Pardon me. But you know what I'm talking about. So you get with God and begin to, be, begin to worship the Lord and fellowship and hug Jesus and hold tight to him. Don't let pride keep you from doing that. The whole time, pride's going to be saying, get out of this car and you go in there and you give them a piece of your mind. You say this and you act like that. Why? If the longer you stay in this car praying, the longer they're working on their little plan and hatching it and working. You need to get with it. What you need to get with is what you're doing right now. You need to get with God. Get with Jesus. Get with Jesus. And so you enter into that kingdom fellowship. Now you are operating as an ambassador of Christ, a child of the king. Hallelujah. And now the miracles and the authority can flow. Hallelujah. And God can move. But it doesn't come from anywhere else but within you. Life is in you. Jesus never promised that he was going to pour life into your circumstances. He said he'd pour life into you. Life into you. You are the one who is the overcomer. Hallelujah. Guard yourself. You know, the world always likes to say positive thinkers. People that are positive thinkers always say, look on the bright side. But if, you've, if you haven't noticed, some circumstances don't come with a bright side. And for those circumstances, what you have to look for is you have to look for your inside bright side. Where's the bright side? Inside. Where's the bright side? Where's the bright side? You have to look at your inside bright side. The bright side is that God has said, because I live, Jesus said, you shall live also. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18 says, We faint not. Isn't it great to be able to say, I'm so tired of fainting every time I lose my job, I faint. My husband yells at me, I faint. My wife, you know, makes me sleep on the sofa, I faint. I just, I get tired. Give what is fainting? Fainting is collapsing under the weight of the circumstances. That's what fainting is. And so, Paul says, we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet our inward man, inside bright side, is renewed day by day. While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. What are the things that are not seen? Inside bright side. Say it again. Inside bright side. You have an inside bright side. It is the brightness with which Jesus exploded out of that grave. It is the light of life. That is the brightness of your bright side. Hallelujah. And now let me just bring this, wrap this up to a, a point of conclusion. That life in you, how do you interrelate with it? How do you react with it? How do you connect with it? Well, the central core characteristic of the life of Jesus is called agape. 
We call it love. And the way you access the life that is within you is through loving the Lord and letting Him love you. You're not loving someone when you don't let them love you back because love is an embrace. It's a shared experience. Listen to me. There's nothing more torturous than to love someone who doesn't know you're alive and they don't love you back. That is unrequited love, unfulfilled love. The Father so loved the world He gave. He said to Peter, do you love me? Then go feed my disciples. Engage with me. Embrace me. You understand what I'm saying? So the way you engage with life is by loving the Lord. Let Him love you back. Let Him solve your problems. Seek Him. He'll answer you. Go to Him. He's there to embrace you. And so 1 Corinthians 13 about love, the love chapter, ends at the very end of that. In verse 13 it says, Now abides, or now lives, now abides faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The world is passing away, but faith and hope and love are here to stay. Why are they here to stay? Because they live with a life that killed death. Hallelujah. And because they're not in the world, they're in you. Notice that faith, hope, and love are not in the world. The world tries to have faith, hope, and love. Why does it always evaporate and slip elusively away from them? It's because it's not real in the world. It is a figment, a memory in the trace DNA of humanity, what love should be. Isn't it amazing how powerful the agape love of God is that after 6,000 years, in the trace DNA of humankind, there is still the sense of love and the sense of belonging. Because every generation gropes, though like blind men across a wall, they're groping and feeling for it, but they can never hold on to it. Because they're, they're acting out of a fleeting memory. But when you meet Jesus, you meet love. You meet life. You meet peace. He installs that love within you. So I would say to you on a practical level, that if you want to engage this life that Jesus has put in you, love Him with all your heart. Have relationship with Him. Solve your problems by loving Jesus. Solve your problems by embracing the life that is within you. Solve your problems by putting your energy into being with Him. Do you know He called the disciples to go out, but before He called them to go out, He called them to come be with Him. It says he ordained 12 that they should be with him. How was it that the devil was able to get a hold of Judas? Because Judas wouldn't be with Jesus. Judas was with himself. He followed him around physically, ate at his table, but he wasn't with him. Be with him. Don't let the devil separate you from Jesus. Stay in communion with him. You know how it feels if you've ever gone through a backslidden period in your life. The devil tr gets in there with a crowbar. All you, you start it. The devil never starts backsliding. Christians start their own backsliding. Always, 100% of the time. Once the devil sees that you've begun to practice things that put distance between you and God, he gets in there and he gets, starts working the attitude 
And then you start wondering, why do I feel like I don't want to go back and fellowship with God? I don't want to fellowship with Christians. I don't want to do those things that put me in touch with God. You'd rather keep moving away rather than moving in. It's the devil trying to separate you from life. While you're pursuing your own life, he's trying to take the life of God out of you. Don't let it happen. Run to him. And in the hour that we are living in, church, let me say to you, The Christian who is going to survive as we move closer to the last days is the one who will not let that love light go out, who will not let fellowship with Jesus be taken away, who will not allow the pursuits of life in the world to become the thing they live for. Live for the life that is in you. Put your eggs in that basket and you'll eat. You'll be blessed. You'll be prospered. Life will work in you. Amen. Close your Bible. Stand with me. Here's what we're going to do this morning. Every one of you, are, I, I know everybody who's here today. I know you're saved. I know you're born again. So the one thing I know about you that really matters, and I know a lot of things about you guys. Some people more than others. And I know that like me, we all have little idiosyncrasies. And we can pick at one another. We can be negative with one another. We can keep pointing out. But you know, the one thing I know about you that really matters is life is in you. Amen. The life of Jesus. Is, and I need to be careful not to violate that life. We need to be careful not to violate. We need to be encouraging the life of Jesus in one another. And I honor you today in Jesus' name because Jesus has chosen to put his life in you. I honor you today. You are his vessel. You are his daughter. You are his son. You are reigning in life with Jesus. So what I'd like to do today is I want to, us to pray together. And if you would, I'm just going to have, I'm going to say every one of us today who want to present themselves before the Lord and say, Lord, in coming forward, I am voting with my actions, with my feet, and I am presenting myself to you today saying, Lord, life is in me. And I make that life the thing that I am going to stand upon to face all of my problems and needs with. So whatever problems and needs or challenges, you may not have bad things going on, but every one of us have needs that are going on in your life, you want to step forward and say, Lord, I am going to face all these things with the life of Jesus. That's how I choose to deal with it. If that's you today, I want you to come down to the front. We're going to pray together. And I suspect that probably everybody's going to be down here. I'm a, in fact, I'm going to instruct the ushers that if there's anyone not down here, just get them and usher them down here. Praise the Lord. I want to say one other thing. This may sound like an odd thing to say in an altar call, but, you know, our church, we don't have a lot of things. There's a lot of uh, amenities and services that larger churches with bigger budgets and larger facilities and things are able to provide and do. And those are great things and how we long to be able to do those kinds of things and, you know, have a cafeteria and 
different things like that and different types of outreaches. We don't have those things yet, but you know what we do have? You know what we do have? We have Jesus. And not, not we have Jesus on the built marquee out there, but I mean the one thing we do is we love the Lord and we make it a serious dedication to help every single person that God brings here get closer to Him, to know Him better, to understand Him, and to have communion with Him so that your life may be brighter, so that you as a, as a woman or as a man can really go out and live the life that God wants you to live. That is the thing about Faith Christian Church. That is the primary focus is to encourage people in their relationship with Jesus and help you to grow in that relationship. And that is, for me as a pastor, that is my absolute vision and goal. It drives me everything I do. That is a driving force, is to help you to become that man or woman of God that the Lord wants you to be in Jesus. And I just believe that if we keep pursuing that, that the Lord will add. He said, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. And so if we do that on an individual basis and then collectively together as a body, hallelujah, the Lord said everything we need will be added. Amen? Amen. Father God, let's take one another by the hand. I think you all, I see everybody's already automatically kind of paired up. Over here, Glenn. Heavenly Father, we come boldly this morning because of Jesus. You have this boldness that we have to talk to you and to know that you are here is because life is in us. We have a hard time putting our finger on and describing it in one sentence, but we know this life because there is nothing in the world like it. Lord, you have come to give us life, and this morning... We choose to make that life our answer for everything. Yes. Let's pray this together. Father, Father in, Jesus name, in Jesus' name, I have received the life, received the, life. the eternal life, the, eternal the life. abundant life, the, abundant the life that killed death, the life resurrected, death. Life. resurrected life, in me, in me. And, by life, and by that life, I belong to you. My old existence existence has been trimmed away. away. And in Jesus, Jesus, I am the person person you have called me to be. be. Lord, Lord, I solve all my problems problems with the life of Jesus. Jesus. I bring these problems problems to the altar altar in the kingdom of God God, where I know the Lord has met these needs. I am yours and everything about me belongs to you. Lord Jesus, live in me. Lord Jesus, rise up in me. Here is my mind. Here is my heart. Here is my body. Here's my money, my relationships, my job, my things my interests, interests. all of me, and all that pertains to me, I give to you. you. Lord, Lord, rise up in me me. and live through me. me. Show me how to think. think. 
Draw prayer into my mind and fill my heart with your presence. Thank you, Jesus, Lord of life. Lord, you have given me life and you have put the life in my living. Thank you, Lord, Lord of life. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give Him praise this morning. Hallelujah. Now one more thing before you go, before, I, before we bless and receive the blessing. Father, I just say thank you for taking our pains. Thank you, Lord, for meeting our needs. Thank you, Lord, for strengthening what is weak, for healing what is hurt, for repairing what is broken. Lord, we just commit these bodies to you and all of our needs, and we say thank you, Father. Let your power arise in Jesus' name.